Hello, I'm Pastor Theodore Faison. And I'm Pastor Linda Faison. And we want to welcome you to the Living Water Christian Center Church, where the word is plentiful and the spirit of the Lord lives. We will also like to congratulate all our graduates, those moving on from preschool all the way to those who have obtained graduate degrees. We're so very proud of you today and all of your accomplishments. Many of you obtained certificates, awards, special acknowledgments, honors, high honors. We don't take your hard work and achievements lightly. And again, we're proud of you. We want to encourage you to continue in that same vein of excellence in everything that you do. And today we just want to take a special time to acknowledge those that have gone from middle school to high school uh, and those that have graduated from college and graduate degrees. Again, God bless you and living water, we are proud of you. Uh, welcome, good morning. This is Pastor Faison from the Live Water Church and we're glad to have you with us. Uh, we thank you for joining us and your support and your online giving. Today we're we'll continue our study in 1 Peter chapter 1. We want to review a little bit of what we did last week, but first let's have a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for being our God and our Father. We thank you for hearing our prayers, and we thank you for allowing us this time of study, this time of fellowship, this time of looking into your word, that you would speak to us out of your word today, Father. In the name of Jesus, we ask that you speak to us and minister to us, and that we have ears to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying unto the churches. Touch our ears, teach us to listen, and touch our eyes that we might see Christ. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Last week, we went over um, chapter 1, verses 13 through, 13 through 21, and I just want to review some of that today. Um, of course, the Word of God tells us to be holy. Remember, um, it says, be holy for I'm holy, and we talked about holiness. We talked about it in the sense that God has made us holy through the blood of Jesus Christ. Through the gift of his salvation, we've been grafted in and we receive holiness and we're righteous. He who, became, he, he who knew no sin became sin that you and I might become the righteousness of God in him. So the holiness is something that the Lord placed on us. However, he wants us to behave as holy people. Okay, so you have the gift of holiness. You have the spiritual endowment. Now we have to conduct ourselves as holy people. We have to conduct ourselves as children of God. And so that's what he said here. He also, we also talked about um, being judged for our works. And it says that, um, that we're gonna, our works are going to be judged. Peter says that. Similar to what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Matter of fact, let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3 real quick. And I want to read something to you. 1 Corinthians um, chapter 3, we're going to start at verse 11. If I can get it. <laughs> okay, I have it here. Um, verse 11 says, For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. So Jesus is the foundation. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, 
wood, hay, and stubble. Each one's work will become clear, for the day will declare it. That day is the day of judgment. The day of judgment will declare your works. Because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's works of what sort it is. If anyone's work which, has, which he has built on remains, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. So what the scripture is saying here is that the, for the believer, we are judged for our works. We're not going to be judged for sin, because our sins was judged on Calvary. Jesus bore all our sins, all the judgment, so we're not going to be judged for our sins, but we will be judged for our work, for our conduct, all right? And so we have the analogy of the builder, and on the platform that's built on the platform of Christ is um, gold, silver, and precious stones, and wood, hay, stubble, right? And so when the judgment comes, the, when the judgment of the Lord, when we stand before the Lord and judge for our works, the works that remain, the works that can endure the fire will remain. So the gold, the silver, and the precious stones, when you add fire to it, we said this before, it gets purified. Okay? But the wood, hay, and stubble, and straw, and things like that will be consumed. So if all my works, no matter how long I've been a Christian, been saved, and all this stuff, you know, if all my works are burnt up, I'm going to suffer loss. I'm going to have a disappointment in heaven. Now, I know that sounds strange to you church folk, but there will be disappointment in heaven for people whose works are not, uh, who don't endure the fire, the works that are consumed. However, it says that person himself will be saved, yet so as by fire. Okay? So here we go. Let me say it again. So if you have works, if your works amount to gold, silver, precious stones, you know, works that, whatever you did that remains, that can endure the, the judgment, that can go through the fire and come out on the other side. Those kind of works, those kind of behaviors, right? If you have those works, there's a reward for you in heaven. Remember, heaven is not your reward. Heaven is your inheritance. Heaven is what you receive when you receive Christ as your Lord and Savior. Understand that. Okay, heaven is not your reward, all right? But there are rewards in heaven. And so, if your works amount to wood and hay and stubble and straw and things that, that can be consumed by fire, if your works amount to that, then they will be consumed and you won't get credit for it and there'll be a, a suffering or loss, there'll be a disappointment. But the scripture says, if any man's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself, he or she, will be saved, yet so as through fire. Or the King James says, by fire. Okay? So that's what we're talking about. We're talking about our works of judge. So, so Christian man or woman child, don't think just because you're saved that your ticket, is, your ticket is punched, that you can act all crazy and do anything you want to do and fall back into the lust of the flesh and the pride of life, and, and, and those kind of things. No, because you are being judged. We are yet being judged. We're being judged for our conduct after we are saved. 
Thankfully, he's not going to judge me for the stuff I did before I got saved, before he saved me, rather. Right? He's going to judge me for the stuff I've done afterwards. Have I obeyed? Have I done what he told me to do? Have I um, submitted myself to his word and his will? That's what I will be judged on. Okay? But, however, even if the works are burnt up, I'm going to be saved. Now, I know some folks don't want that because they want to see people go to judgment. They want to see people go to hell. I don't know why you want to see church folk go to hell, um, but that's not going to happen. It's not going to happen if they're saved. All right? So let's get back to 1 Peter um, chapter 1. In 1 Peter chapter 1, also we talked about being redeemed. And we, are been, we have been redeemed by the blood of Christ. We haven't been redeemed with, with things that can be um, purchased. See, uh, to re be redeemed means to be, it's, it's in fact, you take a slave, you buy them out of slavery, and you let them go. That's how the redemption works for us. We've been bought out of slavery, and we've been set free. Okay? And we weren't bought out of slavery with, with gold or silver or money or coin or anything like that. We've been purchased by the blood of Jesus, by the life of the man Christ Jesus. That's how we have been purchased. That's what happened for us. We've been bought that way. Okay? So, so the, the blood of Christ, the life of Jesus Christ, Jesus the Christ, the son of the living God who died for our sins, and was risen again on the third day. And we who have faith in him, we who have faith in him have been redeemed. Now that redemption is available to anybody and everybody. In fact, we said it before, John the Baptist called him the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. The God, God has the capability of saving every single individual on earth and in time. However, He's not going to force that salvation on anyone. He wants us to receive it by faith. And so everyone that comes by faith in Jesus Christ receives that salvation. We all receive it. We receive the same salvation, by the way. There's not a salvation for this one and a salvation for these folks and a salvation for this denomination and one for that denomination. We are, by grace are we saved through faith. It works for everybody. Amen? Amen. So that's what we have. We have we're told to be holy. We're told to have holy conduct. We're, going, we're, ca we're cautioned about our works. We're going to work, and we're going to, our works are going to be judged. And we have redemption through the blood of Jesus Christ. Okay? Now we're going to move on down and talk about the Word of God. Okay? The Word of God in verse 22, it says, Since you have purified your souls by obeying the truth through the Spirit, in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart. It says here, since you purified your souls. Now, we understand that we don't clean ourselves up. Purify means to be clean, okay? But what happens when you believe the truth, when you believe the truth of the gospel, your soul was purified, okay? And that's what Peter is talking about. Remember, um, Paul said that we're not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes. So that power of God was applied to your, to your life, and you received that salvation, okay? And so your soul has been purified because you obeyed the truth through the Spirit. And since you've done that, 
and sincere love of the brethren, love one another. He says, you know, now that you're a Christian man, woman, child, you should love each other. Love the brethren. Love the saints. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, that you love one another. Jesus said that. And so that's, that's a sign that we have. It's one of the things that almost comes automatically that we have this kinship with one another and this love for each other. Okay, have you ever met? Have you ever met one of your relatives? You went to a reunion, you went someplace, and you met some relatives that you didn't know, and you just automatically loved them because they're your relative. I hope you had that experience. I hope you automatically love the people that you're related to. <laughs> you know, I know some of y'all are different. I understand, but for most of us, when we meet somebody, we meet our cousins. Hey, cuz, you know, we greet them and we be friendly at least until they mess up. You know, and we love on them some, okay? And that's how it is with the saints. We have a kinship. We're related to one another. The believers are related. That's why, that's why we have friends in Mexico and, and, and in India and different places because we're kinfolk. We're related because of the blood of Christ, because we have the same father, okay? And look what it says here. It says, verse 23 says, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. So we've been born again. When it talks about corruptible seed, it's talking about our natural seed. And our, our natural seed, when our fathers, our fathers and our mothers, and when they conceived us, it's natural. And it's, it's corruptible in the sense that we're going to die one day unless the Lord comes back to us in the rapture. But we've been born again in a, in, of an incorruptible seed. Earlier in the chapter, Peter says that we were, we were begotten by God. So God is our father, and we're born again. The new birth, we have this born again, and it's incorruptible. And it's done through the word of God, and the word of God lives and abides forever. Here's something we know. Everything that you see and touch will go away one day. If not, you'll go away one day. But the word of God will last forever. Okay? In Psalms 119, the whole long chapter talks about how the word and the law and the ordinances and how they last. Jesus says, my word is spirit and life. Okay? Spirit does not die. You hear me? It does not die. Spirit is not natural. Right? Everything, all this stuff here, everything around us, it's going to go away. It will be cons consumed one day or dissolved. Even our bodies, even our bodies will go away one day, right? But that spirit will last, okay? And the word of God is spirit. Jesus said, my word is spirit and life. And look what it says here. It says, verse 24, because all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as a flower of the grass the grass withers, the flower falls away, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Now this is the word which by the gospel was preached to you. So here's what Peter is saying. Peter is saying that the gospel that we preached, when we came to you and we preached that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, when we preached that gospel, that gospel is the word of God. It may not have been penned in the Bible yet. Hear what I'm saying? It may not have been in the canon, but the message of the gospel is the word of God. And matter of fact, no matter who preaches it, 
is the word of God. The gospel message is real, and it's true. It's the word of God. Paul said it. And even when Paul was in prison, and there were some people preaching the word, and they weren't necessarily sincere about their delivery of the word, but they was doing it. Some were doing it out of sincere heart, and some was doing it just to, um, just to annoy Paul. But guess what? It was still the word. I tell you, if the unsaved hypocrite preacher preaches the word of God, the hearer of that word can believe Jesus and be saved. You hear what I'm saying? So it's not the, it's not the messenger. It's the message. Okay? So that's how you wonder why you hear all the stuff about different ones and how they felt falling back and how they had all these troubles. And yet all these people come to faith in Jesus Christ. It's not the individual. It's the word of God. The word of God is sure. Amen? And so we understand here, like it says, the, um, everything's going to fade away, but the word will last forever. The word of God will stand the test of time, no matter what. Okay? So here's what we want you to understand. Build trust in the word. Don't, we're not trusting in individuals. We're not trusting in organizations. We're not trusting in the denomination or, or the building or the religion or the rituals or any of those things, we are trusting the Lord. We are trusting in the word of God. It's the word of God that's going to last. That's why we as believers need to consume the word. We need to be students of the word. We need to study the word on our own. We need to be studying the word with a group of people, you know, as in Bible study or, or Sunday school or cell group. And we need to be studying the word in the congregation of the righteous. It's the word. That's what we need. That's what we need to stand on. There's all kind of ideas and philosophies and information out in the world, and, and some of it is really good. What you need is the Bible. Hear what I'm saying? You need the Bible. Uh, there's a lot of philosophers and a lot of believers and a lot of different things being said, but you and I, we live by the word of the Lord, okay? And that's where our strength is. Faith comes by hearing. We had the faith to believe because we heard the gospel. That's how we received the faith, because we heard the gospel. And we need to stand on that same gospel. We need to be what they call biblical. My friend, Reverend Virgil Amos, talks used that term. And that's what we need to be. We need to be biblical, no matter what the world is doing, no matter what your friends and neighbors are doing, no matter what's being expounded, in the media or in the government or even in public school education, you need to stand on the word. It's the word that's going to keep us. Actually, we're kept by the power of God, but that word of God that's in us is going to be activated, and that's how we're going to conduct ourselves through the word. Okay? So look what it says. It's verse 23. I'm going to read it again. Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. Okay? So the word lives and abides forever. And that's what you need to carry yourself through. Amen. So just by way of review, we want you to understand that the word of God that was preached to you, the gospel that was preached to you, is the word. 
The gospel is handed down through Jesus Christ. Listen, Jesus came and he taught and he ministered and he trained the, the 12 disciples, the apostles. He trained them, even though Judas um, was falling away, right? And he called Paul as well and others, and they carried the word. It was an oral tradition that was passed down, you know, and through oral tradition and through these letters, it was passed down. Later on, we're going to read the part where Peter calls the letters that Paul wrote and the letters that the apostles wrote, he's going to call them scripture because they're held up just as scripture because they were the apostles. So like this, this letter here that Peter has, um, the first letter of Peter, when, it's, when they receive it, they read it to the congregation, they pass it around. Okay, they didn't have the New Testament scriptures like we have. We could open our Bibles anytime and, and look into it, at least we here in the States. Okay, so what you have here, what they're saying that the gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ, basically Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God. He died for our sins. He was risen again on the third day. And whoever believes in him will be saved. That simple message is the word of God. That simple message is power. According to Paul, it has power to save. Again, we're not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, but it's the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes. He also says to the Jew first, only because they heard it first. And also to the Greek, or also to the Gentile. So whether you're Jew or Gentile, you know, um, no matter what your background is, no matter where you're from, no matter what you've done, no matter who you are, no matter any situation or circumstances of your life, when you come to faith in Jesus Christ, you shall be saved. It doesn't matter who you are, right? Some of you have a little information, and I know I told the congregation about Ted Bundy. Ted Bundy was a, a rapist and a murderer and, and an abuser, all right? He did some horrible things. He, he was convicted and sentenced to death. However, this horrible behavior of this man, um, he, he came to faith in Jesus. Now, if anybody should go to hell in natural terms, it should be the, the rapist and the murderer the one that destroyed families. However, he came to faith in Jesus Christ. And you know what God does? He forgives. He saves. He heals. Amen? So when that man comes to faith in Jesus, he becomes a Christian. Not a, not a Christian, the kind of Christian just because he go to church and he does the rituals and the ordinances and things like that, but because he came to faith in Jesus. And when he came to faith in Jesus he became a son of God. And all his sins, just like all mine and all yours, all his sins is taken from him. Okay? And, be, and before his execution, he was looking forward to it. He knew he was guilty of those things, and he looked forward to his execution because he knew he would be with the Lord. Now, he wasn't being executed because he was a Christian. He is being executed because of his previously awful behavior, right? But he became a Christian. So what are we saying? God saves anybody, anybody who come to faith in him, 
despite their background. It doesn't matter how terrible that individual is. Now, you may be able to conjure up some people in your mind that are awful. <laughs> you might even think about some people that may have hurt you and may have done things to you that really bother you, and, and you want them to um, be apprehended and judged, right? Oh, my goodness. America was having a fit. You know, one of these police officers, these police officers who committed brutality to be judged. Say amen. You know, all right, they want, we want them to be judged. We want them to be apprehended. We want them to be charged. We want them to be in court. We want them to be judged. I don't know how they're going to find some, um, some, some jury that's going to presume them innocent. I don't know how they're going to do that. But, you know, in most of our minds, you know, we want them to be judged. Imagine the people that we want to be judged, if that individual, let's, let's pick one individual out. If that individual come to faith in Jesus Christ, God saves him. God saves him. It doesn't matter that he choked that man to death. He will be saved. It doesn't matter that he abused people and that he beat up on the weak and he was a big bully. It doesn't matter if he comes to faith in Jesus, the Lord saves him. Hear what I'm saying? God has capacity to save everybody and anybody. No matter what heinous act they've done, no matter how they behave, no matter how long they've pushed him away and said, no, I don't want Jesus, I don't want him, I don't want him, I don't want him. It doesn't matter, the Lord will save him. We know people who got saved literally on their deathbed. Amen? And we know folks who grew up in church and never come to faith. Here's what we're saying. Jesus has capacity, and he wants to save. It's not his will that anybody should perish, but that all people come to repentance. To repent is a change of mind, okay? When you change your mind, when you change your mind from um, living in sin, when you recognize that you have sinned and missed the mark and come short of the glory of God, and you change your mind and you ask the Lord to come into your life, he saves anybody. I can't say this enough. Anybody could be saved. Anybody. The worst of the worst could be saved if he or she comes to faith in Jesus Christ. So we, we implore you today that you consider that. If you haven't come to faith in Jesus yet, you should do that. If you know someone who needs to be saved, you should be praying for them. And understand the Lord could do it. He could do it. All right? Just for the asking. Why? Because Jesus Christ has done all the work for your salvation. He's done everything that needs to be done. He fulfilled the law in his life. He kept the law. He fulfilled it. He became the perfect sacrifice for sin. No more lambs and bulls and goats and animals being sacrificed. Right? Jesus is the perfect sacrifice for sin. And he died for our sins. And the beauty of this thing, he didn't just die for us, but he was risen again on the third day. Right? So that anyone, he's alive today, and anyone that believes in him can be saved. Will be saved. Show enough saved. Okay? Jesus and him alone, he did all the work. We want to say that salvation is free, but it's actually prepaid. 
because Jesus Christ paid it all. He paid for my sins. That's why at the tender age of 17, I can come to faith in Jesus Christ, and I can ask him to save my soul, and he does that. And I've been saved ever since. Not by my own will, not by my own power, but by the power of God. And you can have it too, young, old, anybody. So we, so we encourage you today, come to faith. Trust Jesus. You don't have to clean yourself up. You don't have to prepare yourself. You don't have to do anything more special than believing. I understand there's some people that say, well, I got to stop doing this first, and I need to stop doing that first. And, and um, oh, yeah, well, once I kick this habit, I'll come to church, and I'll, I'll get saved. And no, no, forget all that. You don't have to kick the habit. You have to come to faith in Jesus. You bring all your stuff with you, all your sins, all your habits, all your bad behavior, your dirty mind, whatever you have, you bring it all with you. Just load it up in the truck and carry it to Jesus. Bring all your stuff. He takes you right where you are, as you are, and he'll help you clean up that stuff. Don't get cleaned up. You can't get cleaned up first. <laughs> it won't work. You'll be there all your life. But if you bring your stuff with you, he'll clean it up with you. He'll clean it up for you. He does all the work. He just wants us to trust him, rely on him, believe his word, do what he asks us to do, and we'll have the salvation. Amen. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you. Lord God, your word is right. You loved us in such a way that you gave your only begotten son that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And Father, we pray for the hearers of your word today that they will come to you in faith, that they will say, Lord, save me. I need to be saved, and that they will trust you for their salvation. Do it for them, please, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Do it for them according to your word and according to your promises, which we rely on. We thank you for what you're doing, and we're we are grateful for who you are in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless you. Thank you very much. We trust that you heard the word today and that you make a decision for Christ. It's the most important decision you can make. And your life will be changed in a moment, in an instant. You become a new creation in Christ Jesus and a son of God. Thank you so much. God bless you. On behalf of our pastors, Theodore and Linda Faison, we would like to thank you for joining the Living Water Christian Center Church for our Sunday morning virtual service. Although the physical doors of our church may be closed, our ministry is committed to spreading the gospel message and staying connected with you as we shelter in place. If you need any assistance or would like to send any prayer requests, you can contact us at 973-902-9933 or livingwater374 at gmail.com. We are also available via direct message at any of our social media platforms. To support our ministry with your tithes and offering, you can use PayPal at LivingWaterCCC, Cash App at LivingH2O Church, 
or Zell at 973-902-9933. Follow us at Living Water H2O Church on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to stay updated on our virtual worship services, Sunday school classes, prayer meetings, and Bible studies. Once again, thank you for tuning in. Be blessed and stay safe.